It's the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast with your host, Paula Price, taking on the issues, representing Jesus Christ, unapologetically truthful, taking on popular opinion, and now your host, Paula Price. I thank you for joining me again today on the Taking It On with Paula Price show. I have a great but very weighty topic for you today. The it topic today is going to be domestic violence. In fact, it's going to be Christianity and domestic violence. Now, the reason I'm doing it is because most churches will not address it. They just won't. And for whatever reason, I remember us going to a meeting recently in town and uh, this this man was talking about, you know, the abuse of children and incest. And he said he was going to the churches and they weren't helping him. He couldn't get any funding and was not taken seriously. And I simply told him, you realize that that's a that for church, that's a I'm not going to be around next year or I'm going to be significantly reduced next year. So it's not something that churches are all that eager to deal with. And. I don't think that there are enough classes and instructions on how to teach them to handle it. My particular issue, though, on as far as domestic violence goes, is the, the, the Christian cloak and the doctrinal, theological, and, and scriptural cloak that's used to confine people, mostly, largely women, in situations where their life is at risk. I cannot tell you how many pastors counsel that, and I have it here in my notes. As you can see, I have all my stuff because I wanted you to know that this is not just my personal opinion or pet peeve. And so going back, I can't tell you how many pastors counsel their members to stay with abusive spouses and abusive husbands and, uh, and, and are told that this it goes with the territory. What I would like to see is that they recognize that you don't just have a duty to one gender. You have a duty to all your members. And if a, a wife is struggling or she's saying that, at the very least, you need to guide her to a place where it can be investigated, confirmed, and dealt with. You cannot just leave these people out here. Well, what prompted this? And really, what prompted this? What prompted this is probably a, a case you've heard in the news recently um, about a church elder that killed his wife. Okay? And, of course, it devastated their church. Now, I'm, I'm not going to read the entire article because you can actually go and look for it online. But oh, And it's on Facebook. Many of you all have seen it. But um, it, it says here that... Um, the pastor was saying, this is interesting, the pastor was saying, I'm sorry, um, that the man is 30 years old, they've been married for since 2016. The pastor swears they, are, they were rapturously in love, just rapturously in love. Nothing indicated that this man would be a killer, let alone kill his wife. Now, this was not even uh, uh, Tanisha, her name is Tanisha Harris, and he is Robert. But this was not just merely a matter of, oh, we had a tough argument, I slapped her around a little bit, and then it got out of hand, she hit her head on a wall or something. No, this was a cold, calculated act from a man who's attending church and standing in the position of an elder. 
This was cold and calculated. And so, you know, the pastor is saying how, of the church is saying how, you know, he cried all that he can inside the church. He, now, this is what he says. Listen to this, because this is where we Christians give wrong signals. He says they were a loving couple. They were, I, th I think you'll like this one. They were a loving couple. And he says they were married um, in July 2016, consecrating a love that had bloomed in their work together at the church in uh, where they attended. There was nothing, no signs at all that would suggest any trouble that could lead to the narrative that came in the police statements. Now, this goes on to tell you that um, he was called, the, the, uh, the uh, police were reported that they were called to the apartment around 4 p.m. for domestic disturbance. A man in the apartment was alone, police said, but several hours later, that man called on police to return to the apartment and told them his wife was missing. Upon questioning, police said officers became suspicious, and the man admitted that he had a role in her disappearance. Around 2 a.m., the police department reported, and Belton officers met at 163rd Street and Kentucky Road to secure a crime scene for Overland Park and Johnson County of investigators, who later reported that the wife's body was located there and that her husband had been taken into custody. Now, and I can, uh, I'm reading again because I went on, you know, I wanted to get, I wanted to see it. I was like, okay, I need to understand this. So I'm reading on, and this man has been serving his church for a little bit. And, uh, and so that, uh, Tuesday afternoon, members of the congregation were coming to church. Some of, uh, some of their cries were heard as the pastor um, told them about Tanisha Harris's death and that she was once a part of a half dozen young people seven years ago who were, who were blessed and charged with starting a new congregation. At the time, her husband, Robert Harris, from Florida, was serving in the U.S. Army in South Korea. Then, stateside, as soon as he got stateside, is really something, he came across repair the church online, and the church drew Robert Harris's attention, and he and the pastor began corresponding. He visited a couple of times, and after a while, and once he was discharged, he relocated to where they were. He became a part of the church's leadership. He was Elder Robert, and she was Minister Tanisha. Their love for each other and their dedication to the church played out in numerous testimonies on Facebook. They were a part of the backbone of everything we do, says the pastor. Tanisha had just begun giving sermons, and she brought her, which she brought with passion and simplicity. She worked at a bank. He had a hospital, and they had children. And this is what I thought was very interesting. The embers of romance had sparked within the church. He said, and they celebrated their wedding in a large gathering, a spiritual ceremony, and at a great church there. Now, most of us would say, Anything that calculated would be probably take a little bit of time. It's also um, alleged that there was, an, there was an accomplice that helped him obviously bury the body. So we have this wonderful, loving couple in church, serving, etc. How do we go from a wonderful, loving, we are this embryos of romance into the husband killing his wife? For what reason? 
And we're talking about a marriage of what, less than two years? Just about two years. And so as I look at this, I asked, I, I mean, I, I literally prayed about it because I think it's probably one of the most horrible things. He was in a ministerial training program. He was being mentored to become a church leader, a higher leader. And all of this is going on in his heart. And all of that is going on with them. Now, having been a little, well, first of all, a victim of domestic violence myself uh, in my early years, and also being a part of the foundation of which is now probably an extraordinary organization of domestic violence organization in New York and New Jersey, one of the things I know is that these aren't sudden things. This is not sudden. But what bothers me is that it led me to research other things and to see how often uh, Christian spouses are, are abused. I, I, I looked at that. So I want to give you a few of these stats because this, this helps us. Now, I am, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm here today letting you know, A, that it's happening, but I'm here talking to you spouses who are living with this every single day. I've learned that marriages are very quirky things. They can hide a host of stuff, just like the human body can. They can hide a host of dysfunctions, disturbances, angers, mistreatments, you name it. They can hide it because marriages have a front and a back. The front face is what everybody sees. The back face is you better make sure everybody sees what I tell you. Very tough to look at. So I've been in this. I, I have counseled women. I remember doing a radio call-in show once. I was a guest host on a radio call-in show, and they called in. And I was amazed at the number of Christian women, particularly women of bishops and apostles, etc., who called in and were li literally you know, I can't tell anybody, but I just want to thank you for, for telling me. Some of them were told they could, not, um, they could not divorce their spouses because it was not sexual immorality. So I want to say to you, but Jesus also gave a second reason for divorcing your spouse. And it says, due to the hardness of the husband's heart. He said, I did not, when they asked him, well, Lord, in the, in the resurrections, whose wife will she be? And he said, you know, neither one. No, the, the, you know, the people who are counted to make it into his world are like the angels. They're neither, they neither marry nor given in marriage, letting you know he locked heaven out, marriage out of heaven and vice versa. But he also said that he, they asked him, so why did Moses tell her, tell us that we could just write a letter of divorce? And he said, due to the hardness of your heart. Rather than watch these women be battered, slaughtered, killed, he said, just send her away. But he did say, send her away with something. In other words, alimony did not just begin with the, the civil system. Jesus Christ said, you need to give her her alimony. Why? I'll tell you what's important. So, because right now we have this whole rash of, 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 uh, Ministers marrying younger women, you know, you want marrying the secretary and whatnot. You know, she also then starts taunt, tight, and carrying on. And meanwhile, the woman who labored for you and helped you build that work, you're kicking to the curb. Problem is, you're doing to your wives what Jezebel and Ahab did to that man about his land. 
You're stealing their inheritance and you're giving it to another woman, a woman who's not labored, a woman who's not worked, a woman who's done nothing but get into an intimate relationship and satisfy you physically. And so because she handles some administrative affairs, etc., the woman who paid her dues walks away with nothing. Believing God that she has an inheritance, she's thrown out. I've heard of women being locked out the house with their children. I've heard them being just drug out the house. I've even seen that, heard that. And, and all in all, and we keep saying that this is Jesus Christ, and somehow or another, she should be punished because she got old. Now, you got old with her. It always cracks me up that the men are never old. Men can be fat. They can be old. They can be unattractive. And you know what? Nobody sees it. Woman gained 10 pounds, it's over. She better start looking for an attorney. Why? It's the same nonsense that we had and they have in third world countries. So this particular situation, this girl was gorgeous. You know, um, the picture is not a good one, otherwise I would show you. She was a gorgeous girl. He was a good-looking guy. They're both very young, have their whole life ahead of them. But sometime, somehow there was a disconnect between their Christianity and their matrimony. And when there is a disconnect between Jesus Christ and your matrimony, you can rest assured the passions of the heart are going to overwhelm the, the faith that you have in Christ. Marriages are very scary things, and, and, and being in a, uh, uh, an abusive marriage is a very scary situation because pretty much nine-tenths of what has happened is not verbalized. That's why nobody knows it's coming. There are mistreatments, there's, there's dismissal, there's neglect, there is non-support, there is um, punishment, there are, you know, withholding of funds, all of that. Because those are the emotional things to break down the strength of the spouse. So the question becomes, did this pastor know? I don't know. The article says he didn't. But when I read somebody who raves about the love between two people who have just suffered this trauma without showing any concern for either one of them, being their pastors, at least in my mind, I think that it's a little bit suspect. But what I want to talk about is how... Most men in the church are endorsed for abusing their wives because they're the pre they got the priest of the household. You're the priest of the household. I've counseled so many marriages where the, the man cannot balance a checkbook, but he's the priest of the household. Meanwhile, the wife, who is an, an accountant or at least a whiz with numbers, and pays the bill, is denied to do it. She's got to submit to her husband. You submit to somebody who just got saved. He saved 16 minutes. Now you got to submit. We won't even talk about not being saved. This is the climate of our church. This is the injustice that God is dealing with. And I mean, we're unjust to each other. I have an, uh, uh, two more articles here, but I want to share with you some of the statistics because there is another reason why domestic violence has become so rampant. Okay, so they explains what the domestic violence is. Domestic violence is willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control that is perpetrated by one intimate partner on another. It includes physical violence, sexual violence, threats, emotional, psychological abuse. Did you know that in the United States, an average of 20 people are physically abused by intimate partners every minute? 
That's like 10 million people. One in three women and one in four men have been physically abused by an intimate partner. One in five women and one in seven men severely physically abused by an intimate partner. One in seven women and one in 18 men have been stalked. Stalking causes a great fear. Of course, it's like fear of the unknown. When are you going to come out and get me? On a typical day, domestic violence hotlines nationwide receive approximately 20,800 calls. The presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk by 500%. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. Intimate partner violence is most common among women between the ages of 18 and 24. 19% of intimate partner violence involves a uh, a weapon. Sexual assault, assault, one in five women and one in 59 men is raped during their lifetime. 9.4% of women have been raped by an intimate partner. We will have a discussion about that at a later show. Stalking, homicide, one in three female murder victims and one in 20 male murder victims are killed by intimate partners. And we can go on. You can go to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence site and get more information. When we talk about a study of intimate partner homicides, found 20% of the victims were family members or friends of the abused partner, neighbors, persons who intervened, etc. 72% of all murder-suicides are perpetrated, are perpetrated by intimate partners. And 94% of murder-suicide victims, 94% of murder-suicide victims are female. Of course, we have stats on the physical and mental effects and the economic effects. Now, I have a personal, you know, this is mine. I'm sure they're going to put that little script on my thing because I have a personal, The one of the reasons domestic, domestic violence increased from my era is because we have more people bypassing matrimony. We have more people having short-term relationships where they are cohabitating with people they don't know, someone they picked up on the, uh, from um, a bar, or someone that they met online in a dating service. So a lot of these relationships are short. I bet you if you ask them, they won't tell you that we've been together five years, ten years. They'll say, yeah, well, we, you know, we, we're coming upon our second, third anniversary. That's number one. An intimate partner says that, to me, intimate partner takes the place of Marriage, and it might be a cultural thing because now we want to include everybody, including the homosexuals, and so we're trying to find these catch-all phrases. But much of this violence is increased by the fact that people are not connecting for covenant. They're connecting for intimacy, like they said, sex. Maybe somebody to take care of them, somebody to take care of the children. When you're left alone with with children, and I was, I was left alone with two children. One was an infant. When you're alone, you're you're terrified. You don't know what to do. You don't know who to turn to. And if you're in a position where the family, you know, sides with the husband, you're in trouble. And and what I found when I was on that domestic violence line that day. What I found is that when women are married to powerful men, because we, we see it on church, you know, Lifetime talks about it on, uh, you know, for secular issues, but in Christianity, nobody talks about it. But let me tell you how this tra- tragedy plays out. First of all, you're traumatized. Now, t- usually, 
Um, women who are abused like that by powerful people, well-kept. They're pretty cute in the sense of they're, you know, got clothes, they're covered, etc. You just look at other signs that lets you know that all is not well in paradise. And so, so now your husband's the head of a church or a network of churches. You've been on his arm. You've been the eye candy, the arm charm. You've been the, the, the fashion plate. You've traveled with him. You've been his partner in dinners and, and fundraisers. So you're, you're it. Meanwhile, you are covering scars. You're covering pains and you are ashamed. And you're ashamed because you know it's wrong. But for a Christian woman, it also lines up with God. Why won't God stop it? Why won't he end it? Why won't he, why won't he get my husband? Because he needs to get my husband. I know God saw this. So let's say you go through all of that and you decide that uh, enough is enough. Here's what your life looks like. Number one, you immediately lose your covering. Number two, you immediately lose your care. Next, you lose your financing. But that's not the end of it. In, a, in, in another environment, you may lose those things. And yes, it's horrible. But in church, you lose your pastor. You lose your friends. You lose your the, the people who decided that you were wrong or you must have caused it. Because Christianity is always something you did. You lose that. You no longer have a church. You are out in the cold and you feel naked as, as a baby coming into the world because everything in your life was tied up in the marriage to that powerful person. You don't have a, and most times you don't, because of that, you don't have enough money to get a good divorce. So you're not going to get a good settlement if you get one at all, because you're probably going to be browbeaten by the pastor's head into saying, do not take your brother to court. I had an opportunity to counsel a woman once, and she'd help her husband build a uh, very successful automotive repair shop. And as I just said, he got a new secretary, decided he wanted this new secretary. And they were both, I want to say they were elders in the church. I, 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 that might be a mispiece of information. But anyway, so unexpectedly, I meet this woman, and we're having lunch. And so she's telling me about her situation, and she says, they're telling me that I shouldn't do anything, and they're telling me I should suffer it. And you know what? Because I'm a street girl from Newark, and I'm telling you, I realize if, I'm, if I've given you 10 years, I'm going to get something out of this. And I told her, you need to sue him. You need to take him to court. You need to get your share because he is going to give your inheritance to that woman. Now, whoever you are listening to me, you need to pay attention. Your inheritance is yours, but everybody has to fight for it. And so I said that, and sure enough, she did, got a great settlement, and life worked out. We're coming to the end of this, but I don't want to end it without telling you about this. This is um, on Wikipedia, Christianity and Domestic Violence. You can go online and look for it yourself. And this came from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, and they talk about how the domestic violence or husband abuse on Christian wives is, is uh, backed by scripture in their mind. For example, Ephesians 5.22 about mutual submission. I, how many of you heard sermon after sermon about how you need to do all of these things for your husband and he doesn't have to do anything for you but be the big lion in the jungle? But here's the last piece, and there's a lot more in this article, and I would like for you to read it if you're interested. But this is, this is response to abuse. Significant numbers of Christian pastors 
ordinarily would tell a woman being abused that she should continue to submit to and trust God would honor her action by either stopping the abuse or giving her strength to endure it. This is not 1939. And I'm sure that somewhere in here, that kind of thing may have been alluded to. And it would, it would never advise a battered wife to leave her husband or separate because of abuse. One mid-1980 survey of 5,700 pastors found that 26% of them would tell a woman being abused that she should continue to submit to her husband and trust God. Now, I'm going to tell you. i tell you. I've seen it. I've, been, I've, I've witnessed it. I've gone after it. And the thing that saves us is that we, don't, we have not ever been held accountable. But you have no right as a pastor to use your spiritual authority to bind anybody, male, female, wife, child, to abuse simply because of your theology. On the ground of your doctrine, you're telling somebody that God cares more for what's hurting them than he does for their hurt and pain. And I want to caution you, pastors, because I'm telling you, this is a new day, and God's not going to let this thing be secret and quiet any longer. And he's going to start urging these women to do something about this and, in, and draw you into that judgment, draw you into her remedy. And so I, I wanted to talk about it today. This is something that I can probably do five shows on and never cover it. But I, wanted, I felt that in this climate of God, God is changing how he's doing things. He is not winking at things that he winked at. We just know about this person being dead. We don't, this woman was, they found her from her home. We don't know how many women are dead. We don't know how many women are maimed. But most importantly, a woman is bound to be abused simply because she can't afford a roof over her head. One of the, I tell my girls and my females all the time, have a job, get a job, pay your way and have an account for yourself. Even if it's just because your husband may get sick. But we'll talk about this. I'm sure we'll bring this back around in a future show. But I wanted you to see that in the church, we are harboring a whole lot of abuse, injustices, and neglect, and, and, and bias. And that has to end. I promise you, as I close tonight, I promise you that God is going to step in and fix it. God bless you. See you next time. I've done a lot of things. I've done assessments. I've done uh, textbooks, school, and curriculum. What do they all have in common? They're all professional tools. But there is one thing that I've done most people don't know, and that is I've developed a book, a series of books that heal the soul. It's called 3D, Taking Your Life from Distress to Success. It is a powerful tool that takes you back to the root of disappointment. You want your soul healed? Because God told us, that two things have to happen. Number one, we must believe to the saving of our soul. And number two, our soul should prosper. So in, to do that, you have to have tools. What I like about this is that it's biblical. We don't set aside Jesus Christ because he is the healer, but it's also a systematic guide to breaking the cycles and the pains and the torments in your soul, leading you into success. It's called 3D. And when you go to my website, you hit my bookstore. And when you hit my bookstore, Hit 3D. It's for teachers. It's for soul sufferers. It's for trainers. It's for leaders. It's for therapists. It's for counselors. You'll love it. It's simplistic, but efficient and effective. Again, it's called 3D, taking your soul from distress to success. Again, drpaulaprice.com. 
Go there today. You can use it with your troubled children. You can use it in your church and with your church group. I'm telling it's endless, but what I do like about it is it gives you the answers that are unfamiliar to today's world and its suffering. 3D, drpaulaprice.com. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit drpaulaprice.com for resources and training materials for how to think differently and live powerfully. Follow Dr. Price on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Dr. Paula Price. See you next time.